she on the um, thank you <clears throat> again uh, for the commission's records uh, my name is Alexander McKenzie and uh, Michelle uh, Sandy McKenzie we have spoken on the phone correct you can hear me clearly and I can hear you uh, Michelle yes, I Michelle I wonder if you would give your full name to the commission and perhaps uh, spell it my full name is Michelle Kucher, uh, K-U-C-H-E-R. Thank you. Um, Michelle, do you promise that the testimony you are about to give to this commission shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Thank you. Now, uh, Michelle, you're testifying virtually from somewhere in the United States, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, and um, you uh, reside in uh, Matlock, Manitoba. Yes. And that is a small town on the edge of um, Lake Winnipeg, about a one-half-hour drive from the north end of Winnipeg. Is that right? Approximately, yes. Okay. And, um, Michelle, both your father and your mother are now deceased. Is that, that is correct? That's correct. Yeah. Your father passed away in two, uh, 2010. Yes. Yeah. And uh, your mother, when did she pass I, away? My, my mother passed away January 10th, 2022. Okay. And uh, you were close to both your mom and your dad? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what was your mother's name? Mildred Kucher. Thank you. Now, following your dad's death in 2010, uh, your mother uh, lived alone in Garden City, is that correct? Yes. Um, te technically, it was the last street of the North End, but it was in the Garden City area. In the Garden City area. And that, again, is about a one-half-hour drive from Winnipeg. From Winnipeg Beach? Yeah. 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 Which is very near Matlock. Where, yes. where you lived. Where yeah. I lived, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, what was the condition of your mother's health uh, starting in 2010 uh, through to uh, early 2020? Uh, my mother was a fiercely independent woman. She was extremely active. She belonged to many, many organizations. She managed to stay in her own home even after my father passed away. She drove her own car till she was 91 years old. She went to... And what year, what year would that have been? Uh, when heard... she was 91? Right, that she was 91. Uh, <laughs> I have to do math. Um, she, I... she turned 95, I understand, on October 9th, 2021. 2021, yes, yeah. that's correct. So, so she would have been uh, 91 four years earlier than that, right? Correct. <laughs> okay. <And> that's <laughs> thank good you. enough. Yeah, thank you. Now, and so she, um, look, her health was good then. Is that fair to say? It was, it was good considering she was the age she was. She had, uh, like, cognitively, she was 100%. Um, she had some issues walking because she has a, had arthritis in her knees. 
Um, other than that, she was very active. She um, attended two different day programs during the week. Okay. So that's three so, days so, a week she was so out of the house. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. And now at the beginning of 2020, you were employed uh, yourself in yes. uh, two different jobs. Is that correct? Yes. And um, what were those jobs? I held a full-time position at Selkirk Mental Health Centre in the Acquired Brain Injury Unit as a psychiatric nursing assistant. Um, and I held a part-time job at Selkirk Regional District Hospital in the day surgery as a healthcare aide. Mm -hmm. And um, were, were either you or your mother uh, vaccinated for COVID? Eventually, yes, not, in, not at the beginning of 2020. COVID hadn't really hit us yet. Mm -hmm. When uh, would we you? Did get, we, we did get vaccinated. I believe it would have been May of 2020. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you personally didn't uh, like vaccinations, is that correct? That's correct. But, but you chose to get a vaccination so that you would fit in with all of the things that were required of you. Is that fair to put it? That, that's a fair statement, yes. Okay. <clears throat> and so in early 2020, you had become concerned about the possibility of your um, transmitting COVID to your mother who was aging. Yes. Okay. And how did you deal with uh, that concern in terms of your employment? Um, well, I, in February of 2020, I moved in with my mother to be her primary caregiver. Um, I would return home from, to her house from work and I would immediately shower um, and throw my clothes in the washing machine and I'd always have a change of clothes in the, the shower in the basement just in case there was any remnants of any kind of virus lingering on my clothing and then, you know, every night after work, that's what I would do. Right, right. and I, again, I'm not sure if it was absolutely clear, but you had been living in Matlock, but you uh, then took up residence in your mother's basement. Yes. Yeah, um, I, yeah so she, she, she had a, a brief hospital stay um, and was released from the hospital in January of 2020, and I moved in with her February of 2020 so she could remain in her own home and be safe. And when you say you became her primary caregiver, uh, that's a, a formal uh, name, is it not? Uh, yes. Yes. And and what did that what did that mean f for you and your mother? You living in her basement as her primary caregiver. What other arrangements were you able to make? Well, we we used the um, self and family managed care option of home the home care services in in Winnipeg. Uh, it was through Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Um, essentially, I became the manager of my mother's home care and. Uh, did the payroll, scheduling of employees, hiring, firing, things like that. And I employed two health care aides to take care of my mother while I was at work. Mm -hmm. And so my mother was entitled to and assessed to need 55 hours of care a week, which is essentially the maximum allowable through home care. Um, and so I would... I managed to get all my shifts to be evening shifts, so the two healthcare aides that I hired would work during the day, and I'd come home from work in the evening. Uh, or I stayed, sorry, I stayed with my mother during the day, and the healthcare aides would work in the evening while I worked, 
and then I'd wake up the next day and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Now, at, so, at some point, you did quit your job at the uh, Selkirk Hospital, is that correct? Um, I took advantage of a leave of absence. Okay. Um, I went on a leave of absence as a, as a government employee. I was entitled to take a leave of absence to care for a family member. Mm -hmm. And so I, I took advantage of that opportunity um, and I stayed home. I stayed with my mom. And you also, you had been working two jobs. You took a leave of absence from the other as well, is that correct? From the Selkirk Mental Health Center. Yes, and the Selkirk Hospital, right. yes. From both. Yeah. And, and um, had you ever discussed with your mother the possibility of her living in a care home? Um, it, it came up on occasion, um, especially when um, we were, she was being assessed by um, her case managers. Uh, she was never, ever deemed unfit or would qualify for a personal care home because she was too high-functioning cognitively. Um, assisted living, uh, she was not interested in that at all because it would be the same kind of care she would get at home, only in a strange place. And she wanted to die in her own home. And your mother's health at the beginning of 2022 was, how would you say, uh, what was her mental health? At the beginning of 2020? 2022. Oh, 2022 is when she passed. Yes. Yeah, she was, uh, she had declined drastically um, as a result of, you know, isolation and depression and just really lost her will to live at, at that point. Now, leading, leading up to that time, while you were living with her in her home, in her basement, um, could, can you describe... I believe you've described your mother to me as a social butterfly. <laughs> yes. And, and yes. could you tell me all about her being a social butterfly? Well, I mean, all, all her life she was surrounded by people, but during her last few years of her life, um, especially after my father died, she really needed to take care of her own mental health. She joined um, two different seniors programs and attended uh, seniors group meetings three times a week. Every Friday she attended a lunch meeting with um, another um, program called Lynx. She would go for lunch on a weekly basis with ex-co-workers. She was uh, a legal secretary at the Federal Department of Justice and maintained friendships from that time in her life. She would go to church every single Sunday, rain or shine, she would do her own grocery shopping. She really did everything for herself. And, and for me, it was quite difficult to actually get a date with her because her social calendar was so full. She, she thrived on being with people. And she, she never missed an opportunity to tell her story. And, and uh, some of these places that she was going to was the Gwen Sector uh, facility once a week. Holy yes. Family, twice a week, St. Nicholas yes. Ukrainian Church, once a week, uh, and yes. then these lunches and uh, for various people and so on. Yeah. Yes. Um, and how about family, family uh, dues, family gatherings? Was she interested in those? Absolutely. 
My mother's house uh, used to be a hub of activity um, throughout her life. We would have family din dinners where 32 people would be eating at our table. Um, she had 10 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren. They were the light of her life. She always, always welcomed the opportunity to spend time with them, whether it was in Winnipeg or whether she had to fly to Vancouver or Toronto or wherever her other grandchildren were at the time. And, and all this was before there were COVID mandates. Correct. Did anything change? And tell us about that. Well, um, the COVID restrictions, our, our TV would bring us daily um, regulations and daily vaccine availability. And of course, there was the ominous death count that was on TV all the time. My, um, my mother couldn't attend her seniors programs because one of them was at a, a seniors a personal care home and personal care homes had sort of gone into lockdown. Uh, Gwen Sector had shut down because there was there was restrictions on gatherings. Um, restaurants were closed, so rest, so going out for lunches was no longer possible. Um, church services were halted as a result of the, the inability to have gatherings. Um, essentially, everything that meant anything to my mother had been taken away from her. Even having family gatherings, we had to keep our circle small. You know, there was the social distancing regulations that were put in place. And um, as a result of all those things being taken from my mother, her cognitive, cognitive abilities drastically declined. Um, and she became very withdrawn, very depressed, and really felt like she had nothing to look forward to in life. Did any of her friends pass away during that those restrictive times? Absolutely. Um, there was actually um, several that passed away, um, and, and funeral services could not happen at the time. Um, many of her friends were residents of a care home that had a COVID outbreak, and many of them died in care. Um, <laughs> And, and yeah, we could not attend the funerals. And, and those types of rituals for a mother, uh, for a person of my mother's age, um, who's very old school and very uh, quite a devout Catholic, those things were very important to her and, and her peers. Um, now, there was one, one, I understand that one of your granddaughters uh, or one of her granddaughters, I beg your pardon, uh, was a ray of light in all of this. Uh, yeah. how, did, how did that work? Well, when we were doing the self and family managed care, one of the health care aides that I hired was my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, when the restrictions became very tight that we had to not have uh, people outside of the household visiting, my daughter decided to move into my mother's house with me. Uh, so we made our circle just a little bit bigger. And during that time, she uh, gave, had, a, had a baby, um, her first child, and we brought the baby back to my mother's house. Um, and she was able to be a part of this little girl sort of crawling for the first time, walking for the first time, 
Um, and that was really the, the only ray of sunshine that she had in such a bleak world. Now, I understand that things went on more or less in this way until September of uh, 1920, uh, pardon me, 2021. September. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, is that, um, I believe at some point your mother had fallen. Yes, my mother did fall on September 20th of 2021. Um, She had, for the first time ever, fallen forward and um, ended up with a a bit of a rug burn on her forehead and quite a bruise. Um, And Usually she would fall backwards and she would never hit her head because her back was so rounded. Mm -hmm. Um, But this time she fell forward and that affected her a little bit. And in terms of her, in terms of her um, health generally, then in terms of respiratory health and fevers and so on, how was she doing? Um, she was. My mother had been uh, diagnosed with congestive heart failure many years prior to this, um, and she was entering the end stages of congestive heart. So she had a lot of swelling in her legs. She had a lot of breathing issues. She had a lot of fatigue, um, some confusion at times. Um, And these things were all related and diagnosed as being related to congestive heart problems, right? Correct. And and, um, so in October, uh, I understand she was admitted to a hospital. Is that correct? Yes. You know, which hospital? Uh, which hospital was that? Seven Oaks. Okay. <clears throat> and and that was for her congestive heart problem issues. Correct. And that was made plain to everyone. Yes. And, and how old was your mom then? She had turned ninety-five years old, uh, October ninth. Approximately two weeks prior to her going into the hospital. Okay, and did you visit your mom? Yes. At, at the hospital. Yes, um, we all managed to make sort of a, a schedule so that she was being visited by different family members and friends on a regular basis. And did she let you know how she felt about these visits? Oh, they were the only thing that really kept her going. Um, yeah, but we could, because of some restrictions, we could only visit one at a time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and how long did that continue? <laughs> um, the, up until towards the end of December, um, 2021, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, And uh, <clears throat> you can take a moment if you wish. Take take a moment if you wish. Yeah. I, Sorry. Sorry about that. No, no, that's all right. Um, towards the end of December of 2021, uh, there was a COVID outbreak in Seven Oaks General Hospital on a different floor than where my mother was situated, and as a result of that. Um, visitation was, or visit, visiting was uh, banned or stopped. Uh, the hospital went into a code red, I believe it's called. That was a lockdown, basically, then. Basically, yeah. 
the only people that could go would be uh, staff and people who were deemed essential care providers. Now, you were your mother's um, care provider, were you not? I was her primary care provider, yes. Now, you've used two words here. You used primary care provider for yourself, but the yes. words you used a moment ago was essential care provider. What's the difference? Um, an essential care provider would be somebody who would be attending the hospital to care for a patient uh, on a regular basis. Um, for example, coming every day to feed them their meals, basically taking over a job for the health care aides. I see. So, so, so in your capacity as your mother's primary health care giver, or primary caregiver, you were not qualified, is that right? That's correct. And so your visits were cut off? Yes. Did any other members of your family get to visit? No. No, my, the only people that my mother saw at, after that point would be the staff. Did you have occasion to discuss with any hospital staff your concerns about your mother's isolation? I did. I, um, when I, had, I had gone to the hospital to visit my mother and was uh, turned away by the uh, screening staff at the door saying that they're, that's how I found out that they were in a lockdown. Um, they told me to phone the next day and talk to the, um, oh, the, the unit manager to see if I could possibly get this designation given to me to be the essential care provider. Um, I had phoned the hospital the next day, and the nurse at the desk told me, um, because I explained to her that my mother was 95 and quite possibly dying, um, and I didn't. She was extremely lonely, and the loneliness was what was killing her. And it was. It would have been hard for anybody in that situation to not have people visiting. Um, and I sort of tried to make my case to be declared this essential care provider. And she told me that my mother's loneliness wasn't a reason enough to declare me as a, an essential care provider. Do you remember her exact words? Um, off the top of my head right now, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do know that I've said them to you, you but you, I do not recall them exactly. Well, you, did, you did say to me that the words spoken to you were, your mother's loneliness is not a priority. Yes. Is that... Is that that That's accurate? correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you want to answer this question, but how did you feel about that? I was extremely angry. Um, I, I sent emails and letters and left messages on a variety of different people's, in a variety of different offices, expressing my um, disgust, actually. At, at that comment and just the whole situation in general. Hmm. You, you, you never did see your mother again prior to her not, death? Not alive, no. no. Now, you, you mentioned that your mom passed away on uh, January the 10th. Correct. Uh, yeah. And so this, all of this was taking place roughly three weeks before her death. Correct. And, and what, uh, then when you were barred from going to the hospital, uh, what did you do to try to keep in touch with your mom? 
Um, well, we, we attempted um, phone calls. Um, there was a phone in her room, um, and we would try to call, but most of the time the phone was out of her reach. Um, and when she did, was in her reach, she really couldn't figure out how to use it. Uh, often we would have to phone the, the nursing station and say, look, I'm trying to call my mom and she's not, I don't know if she can reach the phone. Um, and they, they would tell me that they would put the phone in, in on her bed for her and then we could very, very rarely did we actually get through to my mom. Um, my brother would phone from his house in Toronto and hardly ever got to talk to my mom. Um, it, it was it was a horrible, horrible experience. Uh, we thought about providing her with a cell phone, but at that point in my mom's life, I don't know if she would have been able to use it. Now, in terms of your mom's health, what were you led to believe? She'd gone in for the congestive heart problems. And what were you led to believe as all this time was passing? Well, the goal was always to get her home, um, to stabilize her and get her home. Um, and she was medically stable. And the plan was, you know, of course, like I said, to get her home. Um, what held things up essentially was a lack of staffing for home care services. And so, so, so when she was being cleared to come home, that was at the beginning of January. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so we, were, we had been working on her getting home and, and getting staff in place for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, the self and family managed care program was no longer available to us. Um, and she actually did get a discharge date. Um, and what date was that? January 10th, 2022. Mm -hmm. So she was going to be discharged on January the 10th, 2022. Uh, did you speak yes. to her that day? I did speak with her on the phone and I let her know that she was coming home. Um, I made arrangements for uh, stretcher services to bring her home because I, I couldn't do it myself and, and she would not have been able to get in and out of my vehicle. Um, and we made arrangements, stretcher services was to pick her up at 6.30 p.m., January 10th, 2022. <clears throat> but that didn't happen? No, it did not. What did happen? Um, at approximately 5.15 to 5.30 p.m., I got a phone call from her doctor telling me that she had been found unresponsive, um, she was actually sitting on the toilet at the time. Um, they brought her into her bed and there was nothing they could do to, she never did regain consciousness after that and she passed away. On the very day, um, an hour and a half before you were gonna take her home. Yes. Um, what happened then? You had discussions with the doctor, I believe. I did. Um, I asked him if I could come and see my mother, and he told me that I could. And, and he made arrangements with the hospital, did he? Yes. And, and then you did go to her? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I went. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, yes, I, I went to the hospital, and I went in. She was still in the room that she shared with her three other 
patients, um, curtains drawn, so she had some privacy, and I was able to sit with my mother. Um, I was able to hold her hand and I was able to talk to her after she passed. Um, I was sitting with her dead body, but I could not sit with her live body the day before or the day before that. Can you share, uh, you know, you've talked about your mother's sense of loneliness. Uh, Can you share with us how all of this made you feel? Um... I mean, we always knew that, like, my mother was going to die, right? Yeah, obviously, she was 95 years old. She had con- she was in end stages of congestive heart failure. Um, we never got a chance to say goodbye. Um, we couldn't go see her. We couldn't hug her. There were no more I love yous given. She died alone, um, you know, uh, possibly neglected because of the chronic short staffness, but I can't really comment on that because the nurses and the staff that worked there were really working hard. Um, I was angry. I was angry and I was sad. Um, She didn't deserve that. She was, we did everything right. She, we got our vaccinations. We kept our bubble relatively small. We socially isolated. We followed all the rules. And still, the government that she was so obedient to failed her in the end, is the way I feel. Um, I'm angry for her. Um, I'm sad for her. Uh, and I think that what, was, what happened there was extremely wrong. My mother said to me uh, about three months into the pandemic that she would rather die of COVID than die of loneliness. Uh, and she did not have that option. It sounds like ultimately she exercised that option. The, in, in, in any event, um, your, your mother, um, did you ever test positive for COVID? I did, um, just last October. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've got two boosters on top of that. I, I work in a medical facility, yeah. so it's somewhat necessary like it we kind of have to be vaccinated in order to work under those circumstances and i I had been exposed to uh, one of the patients having covid so your positive test was 10 months after her demise yes okay is there anything else that you would like to add michelle i i don't think so okay if you will, I'll ask the commissioners if they have any questions that they would like to put to you. Okay, it appears as though they do not. Thank you very, very much for attending. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my mother's story. Thank you, Michelle.